Hello, friends. Welcome to the Mongolian Adventures podcast, a place for stories about Mongolia for adventurous kids. Get comfortable, snuggle in, and let's begin. Let's begin. Minjin woke up to sunlight streaming in on her face from the triangle-shaped cutouts at the top of the gear's roof. She still felt exhausted and certain that it couldn't be time to get up, but there was the sun, shining directly onto her, forcing her awake. She rolled over and tried to pull the blanket over her soft gray head, but after tossing and turning for a few minutes, gave up and pulled on the slippers for her pink paws. Quietly, so as to not wake up the rest of the crew sleeping around her, she opened the square wooden door, painted a bright orange color, and crept outside. Stretching, she stood tall and took in the green around her. The humans' tall gears stood in the distance, replicas of the gears where the mice slept behind Minjin, but on a much larger scale. Minjin had seen the part of the market where humans came to buy the supplies they needed for their gears. Wooden poles, wooden door, latticework walls, the tonneau and the floor, plus the soft pillowy fabric and felt to wrap it up, a snug and warm circle to keep out the cold. Minjin liked sleeping in the gear. It made her feel cozy, like living in the shoebox had when she was growing up. Who knew mice could live in so many different places? Her house search had taken her to so many interesting and amazing homes. She had seen mice who lived in apartments in buildings, trees in the forests, at the top of a mountain in Zeisen, and now gears. What other kinds of homes could be out there? It felt good to dream, to let her mind unspool its ideas and swirl around in the morning sun. She had spent yesterday worrying she wasn't good enough to help Nina and the film crew make their documentary about Mongolia. But she'd started to realize that knowing everything wasn't the most important thing. She just had to pay attention and try to learn. That she could do. Soon the other mice stirred awake as well, groaning into the sunlight just as Minjin had a little bit before. Good morning, Nina called, Tim and Jill trailing behind her. How did you rest? Minjin asked as they came closer to her spot by the trees. Very well, said Nina. It's so quiet out here. I'm used to the noise of a city, and it was pretty much silent all night, which I enjoyed. They followed Minjin to a gear labeled Cafe and found a smiling brown mouse waiting for them, stirring a big pot of tea over the stove. Welcome, he said. My name is Boyantoja, and I am the chef here at our gear camp. Where are you all from? Minjin smiled back and said, Nice to meet you. I'm Minjin and I'm from Ulaanbaatar. These are my friends Nina, Tim, and Jill. They're from the U.S. Wow! All the way from the other side of the world, Bointoa said, as he started to pick up the tea with his ladle and pour it back into the pot over and over again in a rhythmic motion that Minjin couldn't help but watch. She had seen her own mom make milk tea the same way while she was growing up. The memory brought a wave of peace over her, the familiar routine, a thread connecting her past to this day and place that she had never been before. 
Boyentoja continued to chat with the film crew as he tossed the tea and prepared plates of freshly fried bortzik. He motioned them all to sit, and Minjin settled into the wooden chair, content to listen as Jill explained how they first became interested in coming to Mongolia to make a documentary. Soon, the film crew was taking tentative sips of their milk tea, unsure of what it should taste like. For Minjin, it tasted like home, but she knew that it was unfamiliar and new to her new friends. Her mom had always told her that she shouldn't assume everyone would know or like the same things she did. She knew this was especially true about foods and drinks that were special to Mongolia. What are these? Tim asked, holding a bortzik in his fingers with curiosity. We call them bortzik, Pointoja answered. I make them by mixing a dough and then dropping pieces of the dough in hot oil to fry them. They're easy to make in the countryside, and we like to eat them in the mornings or with our tea. Mmm, Tim said as he chewed. This is good. Minjin tried not to laugh. Are you surprised, she asked. A little, he answered, smiling back. I'm not very good at trying new foods, but these are delicious. The mice finished up their breakfast, Boentoja telling them about the gear camp and all of the mice that visited from Mongolia and around the world. Then it was time to pack up their things into the tiny mouse car that had arrived to take them to their next stop. Minjin was trying not to show how excited she was to be headed to one of the places she had learned about in school and always dreamed of seeing. The car ride was long, up and over and through grass and trees, huge hills and unmarked paths. It felt wild to Minjin, this speedy trek through nature when she had grown up in the heart of the city, surrounded by mice and humans and things for sale at the market. Now it was the wild, where she could spot animals passing them by and land stretching out before them on all sides. Eventually, they reached the entrance to Terelch National Park, the large wooden sign announcing their arrival. The road curved downwards, dirt surrounding their tiny car in a cloud of brown. How can the driver see? Minjin shouted over the noise of the road. Nina shrugged her shoulders and held onto the seat in front of her, her whiskers quivering a bit as the car bumped over the holes in the path. Let's just hope we make it without becoming mice pancakes, she answered. Just when Minjin was sure she was going to crumble into tiny jumbled pieces from all of the bumping and dust, the driver stopped and started pulling their bags out of the car. She unfurled herself from the seat and stepped out, trying not to fall over as she finally touched solid ground again. The film crew hurried to check their cameras for damage, and Minjin sat on the grass, looking at the mountains around her. They were unlike anything she had ever seen before. Tall rock formations that seemed to stretch to the sky, but they weren't smooth. They had what looked like wrinkles stretched across them, piled on top of each other in layers of brown rock. Everywhere she looked, there were more, in different designs with new and interesting shapes. Soon, Nina was motioning Minjin over, telling her it was time to go. Go? I thought we were here, Minjin said. Oh no, Nina said. The driver just brought us here to the beginning of the National Park. Now we have to hike and do some filming. 
we are going to meet a mouse guide who will show us around. Minden wondered if it was too late to turn back. Obviously, this was a mistake. Hike in a national park? She had barely managed to get up all four billion steps at the Zeissen Monument. How was she going to hike up a mountain? Or up these rock formations? Her soft mouse paws weren't made for this. She was wearing a pink flowered dress. She kept her thoughts to herself and grabbed a backpack, following Tim's lead as he attached a small camera to her headband. This will help film as you hike, he said, and then we can use the video to help show what it's like to hike here. The hike began and Minjin did her best to stay with the rest of the group. Within a few minutes, they were met by the most interesting looking mouse she had ever seen. She was a beautiful shade of brown, and she was wearing a flowy green dress that was the color of the grass around them. Around her head was a circle of golden flowers, making what looked like a crown around her ears. Greetings, she said in a soft voice. I'm Bujin, a guide of the park, here to help you explore and discover our beautiful spaces. Are you ready to listen and learn? Bujin led them through the grass and up one of the rock formations, humming as she went. Nina, Tim, and Jill were quiet as they followed her, their cameras carefully taking in the walk and the scenery. The sun was high above them, its brightness a cover over their fur. No matter how they walked, they couldn't escape its heat or the wind that breezed over them every few moments. Bujin stopped to point out the names of the flowers they passed, their tall stalks towering over their heads. Soon they reached a river, rushing in as fast as they stopped for a drink. This water is the life and heart of our community here, Bujin said. We protect it so that all of the animals who live here among us will have a source of water, so that they can live in peace and health. Unfortunately, it is often disrespected with trash and other things that pollute it. Jill asked questions of Bujin as they filmed, listening as she named the animals who gathered here and made their home in Terelch. Terelch has been here for thousands of years, of course, Bujin said, nodding to the mountains and rocks around them. The humans came and named it a prote protected area in 1993, but as mice, we know that the humans' protection is not enough. What do you mean? Minjin asked quietly, looking at Bujin. Bujin turned to her. Mongolia is famous for its nature. She nodded to the film crew. That's why they're here, because people and animals all over the world hear what we have and they want to come and experience it for themselves. As a keeper of the park, a guide for those who visit, and a friend to those who join our community, it's my job to help them learn how to honor these spaces. What does it mean to honor the rocks and the trees, Minjin asked. Nina nodded at her question as she moved the camera into place so that Minjin was also on the film. Instead of answering her, Bujin turned to Minjin and said, how do you honor another mouse? Minjin thought carefully before she answered, even as she could feel the video camera turn to her and everyone look at her. I guess when you honor another mouse, you are kind to them, Minjin said. 
You listen to what they have to say and you help them if they need it. And you understand that they are important because they are a mouse and they have feelings. Bujin nodded encouragingly. That's right. Except the rocks and the trees and the mountains and the sky and the grass don't speak in a way that we can understand easily. So we have to care for them and think about what they might need or how we can help them. She paused. Do you have any ideas of what that might look like? Minjin thought about what rocks might want or the trees around them. <clears throat> I think they would want to be safe, to be clean, to keep living where they live and not be disrupted or changed, she answered. Yes, I would think so, Bujin nodded. We honor them when we protect them from harm, when we make sure that we are not ruining them or polluting them or changing them too much from where they are. And that's a big, big job. Do you do it all by yourself? Minjin asked her, feeling overwhelmed at all of the nature around them that needed to be protected. No one mouse or human could do it by themselves, Bujin replied. That's why a big part of my job is helping everyone who comes here learn about how they can do it too. If we all do it together, then it's much more possible. At that, the mice continued on their hike, pausing to listen as Bujin stopped them every little way to point out a special tree or animal or flower. Minjin listened and walked, imagining the voices of the grasses and trees calling out to her, telling her what they need. Don't stomp on us, the small green blades called to her in her imagination. Don't drive over us, yelled the smooth gray rocks covering bits of the ground. Hours later, as they made their campsite and gathered around the campfire, Minjin continued to think of the pieces of nature and their imaginary words. Being a mouse in a human's world, she had often wondered what the humans thought of them, if they thought of them at all. But today she had thought of all the things in her world who had voices she couldn't hear or understand, and she wondered how she could honor them. The night drew dark and the light from the fire flickered up into the sky. There, Minjin could see the tiny pinprints of light that the stars made, a silver blanket over their heads. Each day of this journey she was learning about people's jobs and places, but also about herself and who she could be no matter where she ended up living. She may not end up living in Terulch, but she would carry the lessons of today with her as she kept exploring this world. It wouldn't be official, but it was still her job to respect her world and the place she had in it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mongolian Adventures podcast. You can find more information about the podcast as well as lesson plans for educators at www.mongolianadventurespodcast.com. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Mongolian Adventures Podcast. And on Twitter, we're at MongolianADVPod. 
We'd love for you to draw a picture or create artwork based off of today's story. Send us your pictures at mongolian.adventures.podcast at gmail.com and maybe you'll see it featured on our social media. Until next time! May your adventures be big and your dreams even bigger.